0: Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Monday, October 26th. We begin with the energy mega merger announced early Sunday morning between Synovus and Husky. We get the details from Global Calgary reporter... Krista Dow.
1: Next, we look at the connection between behaviour in childhood and our future relationships as adults. We hear the findings of a Canadian-based study that took place over a period of 25 years.
0: The 2020 Poppy Campaign kicks off this week. We speak with the Regional Director of the Royal Canadian Legion on the virtual aspects of this year's campaign, and the importance of wearing a poppy.
1: And finally, tips and tricks to set your kids up for success when it comes to learning at home. We catch up with the CEO of MindFuel with some much-needed advice for parents. Synovus Energy has agreed to buy Husky Energy in a $3.8 billion deal that will combine two of the largest players in Canada's beleaguered oil sands industry. And joining us with some more details this morning is Global Calgary reporter Krista Dow. Good morning, Krista. Good morning, Sue. Thanks so much for joining us. I don't know if you have any further details. I think everybody's big question is about jobs, and perhaps we'll hear more about that today. But give us a little bit of a breakdown of what this merger actually means to us here in Calgary.
2: Yeah, and as you mentioned, Sue, we are waiting to see what uh, this deal will mean for jobs in Alberta. Uh, you know, growing pains. We are expecting to see some job losses. A lot of people are also waiting for the markets to open. That's going to happen in just under 30 minutes. So uh, we are waiting to see how they have will respond. Uh, we've seen uh, shares for both Husky and Synovus. They've seen relative drops since September. Um, but you know, advisors say this merger between Synovus and Husky is imperative to the survival of both companies and the deal is anticipated to see annual savings of about uh over a billion dollars 1.2 billion i believe uh so again that will mean job losses as to the extent and the scale of that or well, we will have to wait and see uh, as this all plays out
0: and krista the final stamp on this the closing of this is not till early next year is that right
2: yeah that's right so the uh, spring 2021
0: Spring 2021, the jobs are in focus right now. And I'm wondering, it seems looking online, that this kind of took a lot of people by surprise. Has this been in the works for a while?
2: Yeah, so they have been in talks uh, throughout uh, 2020, So, uh, but quietly, though. So this has not been making uh, the news cycle. uh, So this did come as a surprise uh, to many who aren't really uh, familiar or following uh, those industry news. But uh, again, announced uh, Sunday morning at uh, 4.30 Mountain Standard Time. So, uh, you know, people are waking up, reading the news, reading the newspapers and finding out that, you know, two of Canada's largest uh, oil uh, companies are merging. So that, uh, again, took people by surprise.
1: Krista, they call it a merge, but it looks like Synovus will hold the balance of power. So any further information on that and, and what that might mean in their favor?
2: Yeah, so it is a uh, merge, but it really, it could, some would call it a, a buyout. So Synovus um, buying uh, those Husky shares. And so if you do have shares in them, you will see uh, some conversion. Um, the Sonova ceo will be uh the lead on this um so they're they're saying that it's going to be yeah it's a balance of pooling all their resources so they can become more efficient more profitable but um as to what uh resources they're going to keep from both sides that's still uh going to be a wait and see type game
0: Two Calgary companies coming together. We're uh, assuming that they're still going to remain uh, this one entity in our city.
2: Yes, yes. Uh, so the plan is that both uh, Calgary-based uh, these this new company will be staying in calgary which is good news um we've seen um uh, several companies kind of uh there's been a a slight exodus of uh alberta of companies in alberta so this is good news to have a strong uh company headquartered here in calgary and headquartered in alberta
1: well thank you so much krista we appreciate uh, the time this morning i I know details uh, are still fairly slim we'll get more as the week goes on but thanks for joining us this morning you bet. Have a, good, have a good day, guys. You too. That is Global Calgary reporter Krista Dow. And again, with the news just coming out yesterday, we will likely hear more today. Uh, but it is a big merger, and it certainly will have an impact here in Calgary, Andy.
0: Yeah, and already had a few texts. Uh, you can text us if you're an employee of either Synovus or Husky or just someone interested or working in the energy industry. 403-974-8255. Your initial thoughts. Again, it's, it's so fresh. I was kind of shocked to hear when Krista said, that it came down at 4:30 a.m. Mm-hmm. yesterday morning, our time. I, I was reading it in the morning, but that that's the timing. And if you're an insider, it's done for a reason. Uh, but still, it, that's uh, kind of surprising.
1: We certainly have not had anything substantive in terms of job losses, but we know it'll come because they'll both be, you know, as you merge and you're still based here in Calgary, there are going to be repetitive jobs. So somebody's going to lose a job. Mm -hmm. And uh, we do have uh, some audio from executives with Synovus and Husky, and they say the combination of the Calgary based energy rivals will result in annual savings of $1.2 billion. So big dollars to be saved. Synovus CEO Alex Pourbay will head the merged entity, and he says. The combined company will be better able to weather the energy market volatility, while generating more cash flow, reducing debt, and cutting overall costs. But again, no word on job losses yet.
0: This one here, this Texas. You know, when when you combine two companies with similar geographies and broadly similar or, or somewhat similar operations, you're you're always going to have some overlap, and and I, I think that is. Uh, that is very much the case here. I think, and you know, there, there there will obviously be some overlap in the field, but but I would suspect in this case, you know, there there would probably be relatively a little more weight on the head office function. Yeah, you know, it could be the cynic in me, but when they say, you know. Uh, relatively low. Uh, the overlap is the overlap. And I've never seen a merger where you don't see things being lopped off, uh, particularly on the administration side. Mm-hmm. You think about it, right? And, of uh, you know, more and more. We've had a few texts this morning that say, one said, hey, I was there for the Petro-Canada Suncor merger. And when we were told it was a merger, we soon found out who was in charge. This one here says, tell me if I'm wrong, the Sonovas merger will result in $1.2 billion savings. Is that not saying a $1.2 billion reduction of spending in Alberta? Well, I'm going to play devil's advocate and say, perhaps not the case in that if they're saving those monies, they could reinvest them in different sectors within the company in different areas.
1: And you know, in just less than half an hour, in fact, we'll talk to Dave Popowich at Popowich-Carmale Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy. We'll get his perspective on it. I have no doubt that he'll have some comments and, and how it might be affecting the markets today as well. Uh, but, you know, they do say you know, when one fell swoop here, this deal will almost completely remove their exposure to West Texas Intermediate or Western Canada Select Differentials. So, hmm. Could that be a boon and a positive? I suspect that it will be. So we'll talk to Dave and, and get a little more perspective on that from him as well.
0: Well, and it points to just an unstable world when it comes to energy. And, and maybe it does take, you know, having a giant and, and having these uh, conglomerate uh, the coming together. And you know, could, it be a, could it be a bad thing? If, if jobs are going to be, uh, you know, at stake, you might want that comfortable, that, uh, you know, anchor of these major companies. The third biggest created basically yesterday morning at 4.30. And as Krista said, it will not really go into effect until the first quarter of 2021. Uh, but still very interesting times in the energy industry.
1: And with losing jobs, most definitely, but does it save jobs in the end? Because both companies carry a big amount of debt. That's why Joining Forces made financial sense for them. So far in 2020, in fact, Synovus, Synovus and Husky shares have lost well 63% value oh. for Synovus shares. 70 percent of the value for husky shares so they say this allows them to return in a tougher environment and um, be easier to attract investment as a bigger company as well and attracting investment to the company means attracting investment to calgary and to alberta as a whole we're going to
0: hear more about it again. This is the biggest news story of the weekend and uh, obviously on a Monday morning.
1: 609 now and children perceived as kind and considerate were more likely to form sustained partnerships. Anxious kids were more likely to be single in early adulthood. To chat more about a new study that talks about these topics, we're joined by a postdoctoral fellow in developmental public health at the University of Montreal, Francis Vergunst. Good morning, Francis. Thanks for joining us
3: good morning thanks for having me
1: fascinating study so and and one of the one of the questions also dealing with you know romantic partnerships how did you first of all delve into this and and sort of what was the premise behind this study
3: yeah well uh you know most people of course will partner during their lives at, at least once uh and partnerships uh, and polls show that people are very interested in the subject of uh, um, relationships and particularly romantic partnerships and they spend an enormous amount of time talking about them Um, and there's also quite a lot of research that shows that Uh, Being in a steady romantic partnership is associated with positive life outcomes like better health and well-being. Um, That's not entirely causal because also healthy um, and happier people are perhaps more likely to um, want to partner. Um, But there's quite a lot of research that shows that people who who are in long-term partnerships um, do have better health outcomes, and that's partially causal. So we were interested in in, uh, the since we study childhood behaviors, what factors in early childhood might be associated with uh, partnering prospect in, 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 late, in early adulthood, given how important that is to people's health and well-being.
0: Francis, let's talk about the study itself and how, how it was set up. Uh, which uh, group of children were studied and uh, uh, the process behind it?
3: Yeah, so this is a uh, population-based sample of about 3,000 children distributed throughout the province of Quebec. Uh, they were followed up uh, for about uh, 25 years, uh, they were um, first assessed by teachers um, in the 1980s and when they were aged uh, 10, 11 and 12 years for, for behaviours like um, aggression, opposition, inattention, anxiety and also pro-social traits, whether they were kind, and helpful, considerate, you know, um, nice to other uh, children and teachers. And then we linked these behavioural assessments made by their school teachers to their tax return information once they entered the labour force uh, at around age 18 in the late 90s, uh, right up to um, 2015, so age 35, which we obtained um, anonymously from Statistics Canada. And and in that way, we'll be able to examine associations between these behavioral assessments in childhood and their uh, anonymized uh, partnering records. Because, of course, in in, in Canada, you're required to state your partnership status on your tax return records.
1: So you were able to go back and and talk to these people then about sort of the, the, the struggles they might have had in childhood and then pair it with how they turned out later in life in terms of partnering?
3: So this is um, what we would call a prospective study. So we, the, the, we didn't um, go back in time. What we did, um, the, the, the children were assessed at age uh, 10, 11, and 12 okay. by school teachers. Um, and then we linked those to their tax return records. And rather than uh, focus on the quality of the relationships, which uh, is another way you could examine it, we were interested in the longevity, how sustained people's relationships were. And, and what we were able to show was that the children who were uh, anxious at age 10, 10 to 12 were more likely, on average, to be unpartnered from age 18 to 35. And similarly, children who were rated as, as, as or oppositional, who were um, described as teachers as being likely to fight and, 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 and bully other children, they, on average, Average were more likely to uh, separate at some point in in early adulthood, and then conversely, we we, we show that the kids who were rated as being prosocial, you know, kind and considerate, um, tended to partner earlier and have more sustained patterns of, of partnering across early adulthood.
0: In what way do you think this research will be helpful and in, in, in can be implemented? How do you see it moving
3: ahead? Um, Excellent question. Uh, we know already there's a large body of research that links uh, behaviors in childhood to adverse life outcomes. Uh, a lot of it's focused on, on, on clinical populations, so children who have formal psychiatric diagnoses like ADHD or conduct disorder, um, antisocial uh, behaviors uh, that are associated with then uh, poor uh, relationship. Uh, lower-life relationship satisfaction in adulthood. The difference with this study is we focused on a a population-based sample, so it includes uh, children, many children, without uh, formal diagnoses. Uh, And that suggests that it may be possible to... uh, There's a link between these behaviours, even when they occur at subclinical levels and adverse partnering outcomes. And so we were interested... So that suggests that uh, you may be able to flag kids who exhibit these behaviours, particularly if they're at higher levels, for early prevention programs or increased levels of support uh, with educational or clinical psychologists, for for instance, and before those behaviors reach uh, clinical levels,
1: mm-hmm. makes sense. I mean, childhood behavior, obviously, if you can get to these kids who obviously show an early issues, early problems, deal with mm-hmm. them, creates far more stability later on. Not only in partnering, but I would suspect Francis also just in you know dealing with you know business or jobs or everything else in absolutely. life,
3: absolutely. Absolutely, and we published a couple of papers last year um, with the same uh, cohort of children where we showed that behavioral assessments made in kindergarten where they were, when they were aged five or six years were associated with their earnings 30 years later in their mid-30s. So this, this study adds to a growing body, body of evidence that shows that early behavioral problems do signal adverse life outcomes in, in the long run, and it's therefore very important to try to identify and support these children as early as possible.
0: So you mentioned there are other studies out there, uh, similar studies. Has there ever been a one in such depth? You mentioned this uh, going back more than a couple of decades. Is this the deepest study of uh, such a nature? Uh,
3: so, yes, as far as as far as I know, yes. Um, there are other studies um, commonly, more commonly focused on, on on psychiatric diagnoses like attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, conduct problems specifically, and um, they're less likely to be in, in large population-based samples that include you know all kinds of uh, a sort of almost representative um, sample of the, the general population, um, and they tend to also focus on much shorter periods, so maybe um, you know five to ten years of. Uh, of, of partnership and, and often on specific characteristics like how satisfied they are. and um, So, uh, as far as we know, this is one of the longest studies, yes.
1: Fascinating study. Thanks so much for joining us with the details, Francis. Appreciate it.
3: Sure. Thanks for having me.
1: That is Francis Vergunst, a postdoctoral fellow in developmental public health at the University of Montreal. Coming up on 843 and with the annual poppy campaign upon us, the Royal Canadian Legion here in Alberta is having to reimagine tradition during the COVID-19 pandemic. With the details, we're joined this morning by Executive Director with the Alberta Northwest Territories Command at the Royal Canadian Legion, Tammy Wheeler. Morning, Tammy. Morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, You know, so many fundraisers have had to go online, so no doubt the poppy campaign will follow suit. But explain to us how that might actually
4: look. Well, we've got text to donate this year again for different areas. In Calgary, it's text POPPY for YYC to 20222. We've got uh, online donations are being accepted at poppybox.abnwt.com. And we've got uh, branches open, most of them, so you can stop by there. And we've got a few places that are accepting poppies, and we have some gracious people that businesses that are accepting stuff online. So... All kinds of things going on. It's all very different this
0: year. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And when I think that, yes, supporting financially, doing it digitally is, is great. You need the finance, uh, the financial, uh, you know, aspect of the poppy campaign. But if I want to wear a poppy, I understand that locations will be reduced, but I can still get a poppy and show, uh, you, know, uh, you know, my uh, pride as a Canadian. Is that right?
4: Absolutely. There will be poppies out. You won't see as many this year, but we will have them out. And we're encouraging people to, on November 11th, to take a few minutes and remember those who have fallen.
1: Tammy, I'm, I'm curious as to whether, you, you know, there's, there's so many things that we're doing here locally in the province of Alberta, but I know there's also sort of a, you know, a, a federal, the poppy store, for example. Is it important that we contribute to the Royal Canadian Legion here in Alberta
4: in, in our area? It is. It is. Um, the poppy store is a great thing. That's happening in our, in Ottawa. But locally, your funds go to veterans in need. So we're talking anywhere from... A million to two million dollars directly put into to help veterans
0: let's talk about the legions i was driving by one with my wife uh, about a week ago and i said i wonder if, they, if they're open yet are are they open and if if so what capacity
4: Yeah, very limited. So they do open a bit. Uh, They're not open as many hours. They've got, just like all the other businesses in in Calgary, they're very limited in how many people they can have. Mm -hmm. They're trying to support some of those folks that don't get an opportunity to get out. So, you know, just to have that coffee and see somebody else, that's what we're really open for right now.
1: Remind us again, Tammy, as we get towards the Poppy campaign, you know, how crucial that money is when it comes
4: to the veterans themselves. It's huge. We support veterans with immediate and emergency assistance. So we're talking about food, uh, medical help, um, anything that shelter, help for their kids, Anything that they can help to support them in their daily living, as well as long-term health, like uh, we do a lot of research in mental and physical health and uh, housing, just about anything.
0: All eyes on November 11th. When does the poppy campaign officially kick off, though? October 30th. This Friday?
1: Friday, yep. Tammy, question. Somebody just texted in, please go over poppy wearing etiquette. Is it wrong if people start wearing their poppy already?
4: No. You know what? I would never say, don't wear your poppy. If you see it, wear it. Um, we In the Legion, we don't put our poppies on until the 30th, but absolutely, I hope to see even more this year, just to show those veterans that they're out there. We've got a a, a young lady who's going to have her 100th birthday on November oh. 9th, and she's a World War II veteran. And she just, she's her eyesight's failing, but she can sure see those red poppies. So please, everybody in Calgary, if you can't find one, call a local branch. We'll get you one one way or another.
0: So we go to abnwtlegion.com?
4: Yeah, you can go there. That's our uh, the command website. And if you want to donate, it's poppybox, abnwt.com.
0: Making it easy during a a stressful and tumultuous time. Thanks so much Uh, for your time this morning, Tammy.
4: Thanks for having me. You guys have a great day. You too.
0: That is Tammy Wheeler, Executive Director with the Alberta Northwest Territories Command at the Royal Canadian Legion. 909 on the morning news. Alberta's schools and teachers are doing their best to minimize COVID-19 outbreaks, but parents need to be prepared to assist in their learning should their child be required to isolate at home. With tips and tricks on uh, keeping kids on track while working from home, we are joined by the CEO of MindFuel, Cassie Weber. Good morning to you.
5: Good morning. Is this Andrew? This is Andrew. Hello, Andrew. Nice to speak with you.
0: Good to, good to have you on the program. Excited. Let's. Uh, we'll get to some of your tips because I know as parents, we could use all the help we can get if we find ourselves in this situation. But before we get there, tell us about MindFuel. What is the organization about?
5: Uh, thanks so much. Well, Mindfuel is, we're a nonprofit. profit um, We've been around for over 30 years and our area of expertise is uh, online learning. And so we launched our very first site, I think it was in about 2002. So we know quite a bit about the domain. And we do a lot of work um, within that virtual space for both teachers and parents and also students. So I'm delighted to be able to share some some of the things we've learned over the years.
1: Well, Cassie, it's a great thing that you know because there are a lot of parents out there. This is a very new world for them, but they have made the decision to have the kids at home and do their learning that way. So give us some of those tips and tricks because you've got the background. And I think there are a lot of folks out there who couldn't use all the help they can get. Thanks so much, Sue. So um, I think a a critical thing for, for listeners
5: to understand is that transitioning to online learning is more than just putting the curriculum online for students. Um, it, it's very important that we don't forget that very social aspect of in-classroom learning. And so there's, there's ways to create uh, that social connectivity or that community within the online space. And um, I think the, you know, the most critical, um, number one, focus for, for parents is to, is to set up these spaces for learning that are distraction-free, Learning is a very complex process and it requires uh, focus, it requires engagement. And so, you know, a good space inside the home, the same space, doesn't matter if it's, you know, in the living room, at a table or at the kitchen table or at a desk. It just needs to be that same space that that, uh, the kids associate with doing their work. And there should be a good chair Mm -hmm. um, and um, not too much clutter. And then learning sessions. And learning sessions, depending on the age of the child, can be an hour, two hours. For kids that are in high school, they can go, you know, a bit longer than that. But then it's also important to have a good break. And, you know, the break can be a walk around, go outside, glass of water. Um, Those are a couple things. And... um, you know, the uh, mental health is also a very big issue for students. The stress of the uh, pandemic itself, mm-hmm. but then there's stresses with being disconnected from their peers. Um, they, you know, worrying about the health of themselves or their family. So you you need to check in with your child and understand how they're feeling if they if they're experiencing anxiety and. And, um, you know, provide assurances and, uh, you know, let them know that they're safe uh, while while they're in quarantine at home.
0: You mentioned a couple of things that stuck out to me, and that is with the breaks and, and you know, it sounds a lot more structured than homework time traditionally if the kids are in school and they pop home and hit the kitchen table or sit on the couch and have music in the background. The structure sounds, uh, you know, much more uh, rigid might be the wrong word for it, but more in line with what they'd see in school. Is that right?
5: Absolutely, because we we have such a distracted uh, Gen Z, Right. They've, they're on their phones, they're on their computers, their attention spans are easily, easily interrupted. And so, you know, the reward is the break. So, you know, the learning session is the work they must do. And, and in a way, hopefully, that's engaging. Um, if, if a student has low engagement, then they're not they're not optimizing their learning. So that's how we structure it with, with our kids when, when we were at home last year. But this is also what I'm hearing from, from many people in industry, that the, the learning session is, it's a disciplined focused session and then the reward is the break. And it really depends on the age of the child uh, in terms of what you can expect for you know reasonable attention span. But um, it seems to be a good recipe for success, uh, you know, when, when you're, you're at this, you know, learn from home. How do we do it? How do we manage it? Yeah.
1: And Cassie, you know, we are a bit, almost, what, two months or a month and a half, a good month and a half, into the, the learning of this new school year. So is there, is there something we should do to kind of just check in right at this particular point before we move further forward? Um, I think it's important to
5: first of all uh, check in with with uh, the the your child's teacher and understand. Uh, make sure you you really have a handle on where they're at in the curriculum, and also check in with the child in terms of their. How how they're feeling with you know having to have masks on to constantly sanitize. I know a lot of schools aren't um, issuing lockers this mm-hmm. year to students, so they're you know the kids are carrying their books around in their boots and their their coats, and a lot of those extracurriculars also are not happening this year for you know for good reason, good cause, but this is these are the fun things these are kind of the 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 glue pieces of of the school and the school experience and so I think if we understand um that that you know the the our kids are are really feeling an absence of all of those fun fun things we associate with our childhood and then we can look for ways to temporarily provide other Mm. activities, right? Great point.
0: Yeah. And to that point, when it comes to activities, Cassie, I'm wondering, you know, when we were in school, at least me, it was textbooks and chalkboards. Now it's all computers, and uh, we know that the kids love their electronics when they're not at school and when they have downtime. So should we look at eliminating some of those electronics if they're spending so much time, uh, you know, online during the day for their studies?
5: um I, I I fully agree that that nighttime stuff you know out of school stuff or out of learning stuff should be um, more situated in the real world versus the virtual world so board games uh, those those are great activities um, we've got snow now, so getting outside and, and playing in in the snow and having fun if if the child is wanting to do some online stuff online fun and i know parents that i mean we're all very busy and and you also want to send your child to an online destination that is not you know about uh crashing and fighting and things like that i mean Mindfill has a couple of great sites wonderville.org and codingville.ca lots of games there um education-based games and um you know, this is a, a good way for a child to to experience online in in an educational manner that's also fun.
1: And fantastic information on your website, mindfuel.ca. Thanks so much for joining us, Cassie.
5: Thanks so much, Sue and Andrew.
1: That is Cassie Weber. She's the CEO of MindFuel. And uh, if you're a parent with kids at home, you know, anything that we can, uh, any little tips and tricks we can get, anything to help us through this journey for sure, I'm sure is much appreciated.